0: Ciao and welcome to the Frontier Space Podcast, a dialogue about how space, technology, and exploration are transforming our solar system. Welcome to the Frontier Space Podcast.
1: Thank you, thank you. Um, Today, um, we are going to discuss uh, acoustic analysis of laser-induced graphene as a quality control technique for mass production of laser-induced graphene films. So a little bit about my academic background. Um, during my undergraduate, I was a chemistry major and I did my specialization in theoretical chemistry. During that time, I worked in the lab of Professor James Torr. Professor Tour's uh, research group developed this technique where basically by scanning a laser across the surface of a material, you can form films of this porous graphene foam as well as these fibers. So. Previously, I was working on making laser-induced graphene air filters and I noticed that a specific type of sound was produced when the laser-induced graphene air filter came out the correct way. Fast forward, um, during that summer, um, my brother came over for an internship as well, and basically, since he had more background in uh, processing signals and things of that sort, he decided to take the sounds and analyze them using a computer. Now the thing is that computers with a microphone could hear a lot of frequencies and also uh, have much better resolution than the human ear has. So not only was he able to show that the graphene that I was hearing when the filter came out correctly was the right stuff from my perspective, He was able to show that different sounds actually corresponded to different products being formed, and different products have different morphologies as well as different spectral characteristics, and that is the basis of this paper. Um, So this technology is primarily useful as of now for large scale quality control. For example, um, if we're making meter square scale um, sizes of laser-induced graphene, you don't want to have to characterize it by SEM or Raman. Even though SEM and Raman are state-of-the-art techniques, they get very, very good information about a very small area. But the thing about it is that you're only seeing the area being sampled. So you risk the chance of missing um, some sort of defect. And likewise, the throughputs are quite low. With this technique, we are, uh, we are now able... With this technique, we are now able to monitor the entire process from start to finish. So one can envision that an acoustic analysis technique can be coded in automatically run as the large area is being formed. And because we demonstrated locality as well as global characteristics, what this proves is that we are able to now analyze every single point of laser-reduced graphene as it is being formed. Now, this is a very powerful technique because looking at SEM and Raman, the maximum that they could probably analyze in one sitting is probably on the order of maybe a millimeter maximum. But the thing about it is that this allows you to cover meters squared like entire samples. So that means that this is effectively a million times scale up in the throughput and in the rate of, or analysis and in the, or capabilities to know what we are forming at every single point, at every single moment in every single sample that we are forming.
0: So it's quite profound and, and congrac- congratulations to to you and your team and, and, and brother. Um, um I noticed uh, so you guys essentially, you, you know you just took this microphone and and attached it to the to this thirty one dollar microphone from from Amazon and attached it to the laser writing head um, and then ran you know this acoustic analysis and signal processing. Uh, so uh, and and so, um, you guys mentioned in your paper that um, there's a certain aerial energy dosage with the laser that, that drove the carbonization or the removal of carbon atoms from the material. Um, and so that, that created, um, oscillated a certain audible frequencies and sounds. Um, I was reading over your paper here. Um, I got a whole lot of questions <laughs> for you. Um, Go for it. I was wondering. Um, it'd be great if you could, you know, share more and allude to more about the benefits of this capability, of the uh, you know acoustic real time analysis. I don't know, you know, how this really uh, changes the game in terms of the. Material synthesis and and properties we'd like to develop um, in, in various applications.
1: Well, um, so basically, laser-induced graphene, depending on how you are forming it, has many different properties. For example, previously we were able to show that by varying the laser parameters, by varying the conditions under which we laser, we get very different properties. So here we are able to now use sounds to. Either analyze what is being formed there or as well as make sure that if we want a specific product to ensure that the product is actually what we want to form at that location. So, the thing about it is that um, for for applications such as electrocatalysts or for battery electrodes or for micro supercapacitors and things of that sort, um, you want specific morphologies of laser-reduced graphene to form. As laser-reduced graphene, ranges from a porous foam all the way up to um, a fiber attached to the polyamid substrate. So depending on what application you're looking for, you want different morphologies and therefore different properties. So here um, we can basically see, okay, so this sound corresponds to this property. So it, it basically tells us that the sounds contain information regarding what we are forming. And those things that we are forming either are targeted towards a specific application, where we are trying to control the morphology, or when we are just trying to see what is actually being formed under these conditions. And the sounds can also help us guide um, or search
0: in that process. And with your uh, um, background in, in in chemistry, there, um, you know, you, you guys mentioned we could fine tune the material properties and. You know, very curious about if it's, you know, a similar um, process toward, you know, uh, increasing each material property um, during synthesis, you know, whether it's um, laser-induced graphene or, or even, you know, n- another method of, um, you know, the interaction between two substances, whether we want to increase the mechanical, you know, the, the structural electric or magnetic properties you know there's, i feel like there's so much potential here with this audio analysis
1: yeah because like many things emit sounds it's just that either a we don't notice it or b or ears don't pick it up either because it is well sufficiently quiet that we can't hear it or it is in a frequency range that we cannot hear so the thing about it is that The power of computers and microphones is that they can pick up things in a far more sensitive manner than our ears can. Mm -hmm. So in like various other types of processing techniques, there's sounds. Like I mean in any sort of machinery running, there's sounds. In any sort of mechanical process, well like I mean you hear the machine grinding away but like I mean there's also other precise frequencies that are there or precise bands of frequencies that you want to look at. So what happens is that using this type of technique, what we can basically do is that not only can we monitor, like for example, materials processing, but we can monitor processes themselves. For example, like if I'm printing a piece of paper, I can hear if the paper jams in my printer, those types of concepts where we are linking this additional channel where we're not only looking, but we have like additional channel of feedback. And this additional channel of feedback can then be interpreted in a computer almost as if like, we are interpreting like what we're seeing, uh, or well, that's exactly what's happening because the computer is generating these waveforms that we are now looking at. So it's it's, it's like having another sense on top of what our human audio capabilities can, can detect.
0: Well said. Um, yeah, they, we're, we're, you know, human, The humans currently, we're we're kind of um, limited to this audible range of 20 to 20,000 Hertz. Um, And it's just like, if we could hear up to 100,000 Hertz, you know, um, what might, how might our world be? You know, uh, what might be different?
1: Well, like, I mean, yeah, there's, there's low frequency ranges and there's high frequency ranges. We cannot hear either of them. Uh, Well, if we can hear high frequency or low frequency, then uh, I would suppose our our world would be very noisy (laughs) because and there's a reason why we have that narrow window. And it's because, well, most of the sounds that are relevant to us are in that narrow window. Because, I mean, we we also have other animals that can hear higher frequencies. Sure. But like, I mean, we can we cannot hear like a rat speak to us or. well, we can hear some of the things that the rat is trying to say to us, but they can make sounds that we cannot hear, and they can hear sounds that we cannot, you know, we cannot detect or, you know, so, yeah, I, I would think that if we can actually hear that, um, we would perceive it to be very noisy. Now, the good thing about computers is that computers can do signal processing, and also computers can selectively noise and do certain procedures to be able to analyze um, the the signal coming in across a very, very broad um, range of uh, spectral frequencies. By the way, um, a lot of the, the things that matter to us happen at very high frequencies as well as low frequencies. Um, For example, like when when machinery is running, you have high frequency noises as well as low frequency noises being generated at the same time and not not all of those um, tell us something, but we can can know that in in that process, there's very likely some sound that actually does give us some information as to what is going on. Uh, or during a material transformation process, there might be some sort of sound that is emitted somewhere that we can't hear it, but that sound contains valuable information regarding what is happening.
0: Yes. Um, I was wondering if you could walk us through this um, acoustic analysis process in the mathematics you guys uh, did. So,
1: Basically, um, the outline is in figure three. Basically, what happened is that to begin with, uh, we plotted them as spectrograms because the first thing that we want to do is that we want to look, we want to see is like, is there actually anything happening? And then what happens is that we look and they're like, oh, there's something happening. Well, if there is something happening, let's try to extract information out of it. Is there actually information in there? And therefore, what we did is a Fourier transform. This Fourier transform, what it does is that it separates these uh, sounds into multiple different frequencies. It basically takes the sounds and breaks it into the components. Like at this frequency, there's this amount of power. And at this different frequency, there's this amount of power. So mm, that's what the Fourier transform does. And then afterwards, what we did is this this denoising uh, procedure. Basically, this is a background subtraction and a metric of how intense the sound is relative to background noise. So if there is increased intensity relative to background noise, that means that there's something there that is not in the noise, right? So, the, or signal should be, in Siri, or signal should be in the component that is not in the noise. And then what we did is, inspired by NMR analysis, we did integral analysis, and as well as second integral analysis, which basically tells us like, how much total amount of um, power is there, as well as what's the relative distribution of the power and from the low frequency regime, high frequency regime, as well as the the concavity of the characteristics. So then combined using these two together, we were able to predict um, features of of, of of the Robin spectrum. And the Robin spectrum, basically, it gives us information about the local properties, like really nanostructural properties of the atoms themselves and their surroundings. So mm, by doing so, we were able to show that, we we were able to show that the sounds contain information about the mm, atoms or arrangements in the solid, as well as the microstructural characteristics, given the morphology evolution shown uh, uh, on, on the SEM images. So that is basically what the procedure does, overall.
0: Wonderful. Um, yeah, is looking here. Um, just trying to understand the the mathematics you guys did with the second integral um, of the Fourier transform to um, uh, from the. Two hertz, to the third harmonic frequency, um, and, and but but more, I guess more importantly, why finding the harmonic frequencies was important.
1: Well, well, like I mean, the thing about it is that the basically what those um, peaks there represent is that there's a large amount of energy relaxation that is happening, um, and it is occurring for sound. And then that's what that represents. Like when you hear a sound signal, what that means is that the energy is being relaxed from the sample um, into sound. So we are taking this energy input, this laser, and then we are hitting the sample, with it? <clears throat> and then a portion of that energy is transformed to heat, transformed into, uh, transformed into light, transformed into sound, right? So then, and what is happening over there is that we have this energy input that is then being converted to somewhere else. And, and basically, that's what the peaks at the at the frequencies really really tell us is the the energy relaxation that is happening.
0: And with those peaks, the um, the, the energy relaxation is that a positive or is that negative toward the material like long term stability?
1: Um, the energy relaxation just basically means that our input energy is being converted into something else. So basically, um, through that process, um, what happens is that the input energy that um, we uh, we um, put in is just a carbon dioxide laser beam, and then what what comes out is well the relaxation then is de- is affected by the material's properties. So effectively, um, the material's properties confer a certain um, distribution to what is coming out, the sound signal that is coming out, that then we are basically backing out by doing this analysis. So what happens is that when the laser hits a sample and it emits sound, it is affected by the local properties of the material at the point of
0: incidence. Awesome. It looks like the the vibratory oscillations return to their equilibrium state as well. with with those high peaks, um, so might be a synonymous with with a uh, more more advantageous uh, uh, you know material uh, property and, and and that's being observed. Um, but I um, was well, interested in um, the kinds of quantitative metrics um, that we could assess with. Uh, the ramen shift here and, and analysis.
1: Well, I will. Uh, well, first, I would like to talk about like advantageous materials properties because we have this uh, ability to adjust the material depending on our applications. Different materials are actually good for different applications. So it's not necessarily that one type of material is advantageous for all applications, but rather different materials are advantageous for different applications. And each of these different morphologies then also have a different Raman spectrum characteristics. Um, so what we are doing is that we are focusing on the 2D peak. This is indicating the presence of graphene carbon. So basically, depending on the 2D to G ratio, as well as the full width half maximum of the 2D peak, what is really telling us is what is the composition at that, at that location that is being formed. So then um, that's, that's what we're really analyzing. We were able to show that in our acoustics uh, spectrum, um, there's information that is contained from which um, it is related to the 2D to G ratio as well as the 2D full width half maximum.
0: Thanks for explaining there. Um, it was, but so this um, this experiment you guys did was primarily on a 2D scale and I uh, was wondering how we could adapt this um, acoustic analysis on a 3D scale.
1: Well, <laughs> actually our, our research group uh, has this process called flash dual heating. Now flash dual heating enables us to cheaply convert any sort of solid carbon source into graphene. And the resulting graphene is called flash graphene. So this uh, laser-induced graphene is a 2D uh, film. 2D films are good for 2D applications. The laser-induced graphene has been licensed to LIGC applications. So um, on a 3D scale, our research group has developed flash graphene. Flash graphene has been licensed to universal matter. And universal matter right now, that company is uh, is leading in terms of this type of technology where we are able to cheaply convert any solid carbon source into flash graphene. So flash graphene is a way to make bulk powders, 3D scale um, quantities of uh, of raw material. For example, um, they were able to demonstrate that they can do gram scale conversion. Now, gram scale conversion is incredibly hard. And currently we are also scaling up um, to, kilogram scale conversion. And from there, um, what is happening is that we, we can generate bulk quantities of flash graphene. During the flash graphene process, sound is also generated. And then we are currently figuring out, well, when we, we have already published a machine learning paper regarding um, machine learning for um, analyzing what parameters to use during the flash graphene process. But it will be advantageous for us to use acoustic analysis as well on flash graphene to be able to figure out what is being formed inside the tube at the time that we are flashing. Because we also do observe that sound is being released as we are flashing the sample and converting the solid carbon source into bulk quantities of graphene
0: powder. Excellent. Yeah, I'm, uh... Curious on the um, yeah, um you know, the other applications you guys uh, mentioned here as well uh with with this uh, acoustic analysis. What else we'd apply this to here, here. Um, You guys, um, you guys mentioned all sorts of exciting applications such as you know, uh, applying this um, acoustic and signal processing for, uh, for centering, uh, you know, phase engineering, strain engineering, chemical vapor deposition, uh, a lot more there.
1: Basically anything that emits sound where well, the sound contains information regarding some sort of um, parameter that we are interested in whether it be what material we are processing, whether it be, is this process going correctly, or is the machine running correctly, or, um, or is, is this thing like different from something else because, the, uh, because we know that the sound is different. So is the sound related to what is being formed? Like it's a very, very general process regarding the analysis of sounds because sounds are everywhere. And the thing about it is that all we need to do is figure out what sounds to analyze and how to analyze it.
0: Yes. Yeah, and and, in all sorts of environments, um, you know, and and reactions. um, You know, you guys also mentioned um, uh, the ability to monitor fluids, uh, you know, uh, annealing and combustion and and distillation. which, uh...
1: Yeah, because very often when fluid flows, there's some periodicity, uh, especially um, when there's develop- development of turbulence or something of that sort, then, you know, you, you, you have these fluctuations. And these fluctuations, very often, if it's interacting with some sort of solid structure, you can measure the mechanical oscillations or something of that sort, and that would give you information on what is going on in there. Yes.
0: Although it would appear we couldn't apply this to most of the universe um, because the sound needs a medium to propagate through with, with atmosphere, right? And, and um,
1: Well, you can couple it to light. If you have a light source and then there's sound, right? If, there's, uh, if you have sound and a light source, what happens is that the vibration is now coupled to light and then on the other side, you then take the light and you transfuse it into a signal. Oh,
0: that sounds. Uh, okay.
1: Yeah, so you can propagate this the sound signal locally that is happening over a very very long distance using light it's through vacuum.
0: Okay, trying to wrap my head around this here, uh, and so when we're coupling um, this uh, to, to a photon. You know, um, could we collect uh, audible data in the vicinity of that photon or? or? No,
1: no, no. Well, I mean is that if you have a structure that is uh, that is moving or oscillating or vibrating, if you have a laser beam affixed to that structure, then the, the motion of that laser beam is going to be related to the motion of the structure that the laser beam is affixed to. Or, um, for example, if if you have some sort of uh, transducer of, uh, of some sort, you can convert that sound signal into a signal that you can beam across very long distances.
0: Okay, so, so like uh, a subsystem on board a satellite, um, right, we want to monitor the material reactions with the environment and the surface charge buildup and... Um, you know, the radiation. And so could we potentially extract all sorts of data, audible data, and then and transmit that data? Um,
1: Wait, what do you mean?
0: Um, but I guess really like applying this, um, putting a microphone on board a satellite or a spacecraft and uh, monitoring the material reactions that occur on, on, on a two D scale, and possibly three. Well,
1: you, you can either do like you can either do a, like a microphone, or in areas where it's all vacuum, you can do a transducer or something of that sort, and that should pick up um, the vibrations because most satellites are connected in one piece. So, like I mean, it's a solid. Solids conduct. Um, solid conduct mechanical waves. And you can detect that, of course, and that might tell you something about what is going on in there.
0: Wonderful. Um, all sorts of opportunity. <laughs> uh, yeah, w- could hold the potential of, to become a, a, a critical subsystem, I, I think, uh, to, to help understand the, the material reactions in, in the vacuum and in um, other
1: environments. Um. Well, the other thing is like laser induced graphene is a very interesting space material because it is actually very light. It's essentially a carbon, um, the carbon foam can be formed up to densities that are aerogel-like. And basically it is a very high strength to weight material and it's a very high surface area material. And therefore, in certain space uh, applications, you would want some some sort of thing like that, especially for uh, applications that, such as catalysis or uh, things like that. Um, laser-induced graphene is a potential material that can be used for
0: aerospace applications. Yes. Um, curious how the sounds themselves would in audible vibrations would change in, um, you know, uh, on on Mars, and and uh, and elsewhere, because I would imagine um, what you what the the sounds emitted here, you know, they fluctuate in in all sorts of environments, right? Um, and so the the sounds associated with material interactions and synthesis here on Earth might might be different on other planets and. Um, and, you know, on the Moon and Mars and, and in fact. Of course, because,
1: like I mean, the atmospheric density certainly matters, um, as well as the atmospheric composition might also have some, some other effect. Um, the thing about it is that in here, um, we are calibrating it to the system that we are analyzing. And I believe that is an actually a very important thing. Is that we calibrate it to the system that we are analyzing, and therefore, once we have it calibrated, then it is an appropriate tool for us to use in quality control applications and analysis applications, things of that sort. Nice.
0: Um, yeah, and I don't know what what kind of um, mathematical properties um, there are that. Um, Define how a material absorbs the mechanical shock waves. Uh. Well, of course, like
1: our signal processing scheme is only one of many signal processing schemes that you can envision to use to process this sound. Um, the thing about it is that um, basically the point of this paper is to show that the sounds contain information about the material that we are synthesizing. However, like you can envision a diverse array of all sorts of uh, procedures that otherwise can also be used to analyze the sounds and also be used to transform the sounds into usable information because that's what it uh, it is about. Because at the end of the day, it's about finding, uh, finding sounds that do have Um, information that you want to analyze and then transforming that sound, the raw input into some sort of uh, signal that, uh, or some sort of metric that you're actually interested in.
0: Yeah. um, You start to wonder, you know, could we potentially, um, if there was a a bridge, you know, however many bridges here are on Earth, um, you know, uh, and all of the micro cracks that might arise and have arisen in the past um you know five ten years over time and then listening to those cracks and and, uh, as they accumulate over time
1: yeah you can certainly hear things, uh, things of that sort in concrete um and um in steel it's a little bit more difficult um but what you can do is that you can also um instead of uh Instead of passively listening, you can also excite using some sort of sound source and then collect the information from there. Um, but acoustic analysis, um, like it, it spans like a very, very broad array of applications that can be used to monitor um, whether the bridge is undergoing fatigue, for example, or um, whether there's some sort of critical flaw that needs to be addressed. And those are very important applications of similar technologies.
0: And it sounds like uh, soft materials and 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 you know biological um, tissues and and um, polymers that uh, um, that you know those those were all capable of absorbing sounds and and um, whereas compared to those I would imagine that the heavier metals right and and that uh, have have more stiffness might be more difficult to monitor. The, sounds. the the the
1: frequency would be higher. Okay. Yeah. So um, therefore, you need to move to transducers
0: or something that's more mm. Okay. Um. I was very curious how we how we could apply this to biological systems and um and, and and the cells, uh both both the eukaryotic and the bacterial cells and. <laughs> Like for example, in a bioreactor. Um, yeah, a bioreactor, you know, where, uh, or, or in, inside a human, you know, inside a plant, you know, uh, these microorganisms well, everywhere. We already do this.
1: Um, like that's the reason why the doctor takes a stethoscope and then listens and listens to what's going on in your chest and whatever.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha yeah um, yeah, I was the, noticing, you know uh, each the, these researchers um, they noted that each cell has has a particular song and, 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 and um, ensemble, and that we can monitor these uh, biological vibrations with an atomic force microscope. Uh, but but could potentially apply this and bring this as um, into as a biosensor, you know in vivo and and um, or, or or maybe three d bioprinting too.
1: Well, the thing about um, cells is that uh, the way that us humans try to make something stable is usually by trying to control it. like it must be like this value, or you know within these bounds. What nature does rather is that to stabilize things nature uses the oscillations very frequently to stabilize something so yeah um a lot of the a lot of the natural systems contain oscillations uh, either chemical oscillations or mechanical oscillations like these oscillations are necessary for stability.
0: yeah um. So the cytoplasm has a, um, a similar viscosity compared to water, um, and, and my understanding is that uh, we can hear that sounds propagate much faster and more efficiently through liquids. Um, you know how we can, you know, when we're scuba diving, we can hear things underwater much more quickly. So, um, it, well, that's the density effect. Um,
1: because the thing about it is that. Yeah, the, the density of water is many times higher than the density of, of air. Um, and so the thing about it is that um, you mentioned uh, 3D printing. Uh, for 3D printing, it might be possible for us to monitor uh, what is going on, like in terms of uh, what we are printing, as well as like the, the local properties of what is being printed um, in terms of this, uh, this type of technique um especially like as we go to printing materials which have very different compositions then it it is certainly possible
0: i'm curious if that would be a similar signal um analysis method um, as well um... well
1: it's very hard to develop a general analysis method um for a general case of like I mean and it's it's one of those things where being good at something necessarily demands that it's not good at something else so what we have to do rather is pick the right analysis methods for the right signal for the right process
0: so yeah it, it, I, another thought that comes to mind here is um, you know we can um, we can hear over much longer distances underwater and and but potentially if we put a biosensor or, or just some microphone underwater near coral reefs and and we listen to their to to them uh dying you know over the years and but potentially how we could use this to help uh fight climate change
1: well we can we can monitor the whales yeah. and that's one of the things we have done in the past um,
0: yeah. Um, well, a few last questions here is um, what kind of um, you know software is out there to analyze and process this input audio data um,
1: Well, here it's very rudimentary. Um, so we're not using any sort of very high level software techniques. I know like Python has multiple different packages that can do similar things and other people have written similar things in C, similar things in Fortran, etc. So in terms of software, it depends on what the software engineer wants to use and then after that it depends on like what user interface the user wants and you just connect the two and that's what you get.
0: Notice for the four year transform, you guys use origin pro analysis.
1: Yeah, because we just want to do quickly see what is going on in there. Of course, like, I mean, in the actual industrial scale, very likely they will use a different software with um, different um, codes, as well as a slightly adjusted uh, analysis procedure and things of that sort to speed up the process and as well as um, make it suitable for their specific application.
0: Nice. I was excited to look into a lot, a lot of this vibrational na- analysis software and this uh, this this one model DI uh, from DA D A T A Q Data Logger looks looks cheap and promising. Uh, I can, can put some links here in the description. Um the sonolithography looks Quite promising as well. Um, there are some researchers that they were, were able to, um, you know, uh, use these uh, ultrasonic standing waves to create patterns on surfaces, um, and they create different patterns. Um, and so these cells retained a, a, you know, a pattern when when collagen was deposited onto this petri dish. Uh, from from but just by changing the phase of the frequency or duration of the sound as it's coming down on onto the uh, surface it's interesting
1: thank you for your time thank you for the interview
0: yes thank you joan um there's uh noticed um